Morning, everybody. Happy sunny days at last. And welcome to the News Agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined by the Mirror's Deputy Political Editor, Ben Glaze. Good morning, Ben. Morning, Susie. Nice to see you. And you. Now, this is the People's Pay-Per-View, so get into the comments, ask us your questions. Those of you listening later on podcast are just going to have to say you're going to do something and then not do it and hope that nobody notices. So what have we got for you today? Well, the Mirror has splashed on the fact that the Tory government's promise to ban zombie knives earlier this week is, as you might well predict, a load of utter tosh. More on that later, but first to page 11, where it's revealed that the Tory government's promise to ban energy companies sending the heavies around to break into the homes of vulnerable people to install prepayment meters is, wait for it, also utter tosh. Now, Ben, can you take us through this? This this all came about because of an undercover newspaper investigation, which proved that something was going really wrong, didn't it? That's right. A few months ago, the Times had um, an undercover reporter um, go along with a company that was employed uh, to basically break into people's houses and fit these prepayment meters um, against the household as well. Now, these prepayment meters, they're basically designed for people who are more likely to fall into debt, people who can't cope basically with having direct debits because they fall behind on the payments and then they're at risk of having their gas and electricity cut off. So the idea is they make it easier to pay because you know how much you're using when you stick the money in the slot, except you don't stick the money in the slot anymore, obviously by prepayment cards, etc. Now, the problem with that, of course, is the people who are affected by prepayment meters are often the poorest in society for the very reason that they haven't got huge amounts of credit and they can't, can't afford direct debits. And they end up paying more because prepayment meters are more expensive than than um, the usual system of just switching on your, your gas and electricity and paying by, by direct debit every month. Now, what the Times revealed in their investigation um, was that companies were going around to these houses, basically going in without permission um, and were fitting these meters. And that was to stop the companies um, falling into debt by having unpaid bills. So mm. these four people were you know, basically coming home in some cases to find that prepayment meters have been fitted. Now, there was huge uproar. There was um, an investigation by the regulator Ofgem. Now, you have to wonder why it was left to the Times to, to find out this scandal, to discover that this was happening when the regulator, keys in the, uh, in the title, is supposed to be the watchdog and find out and will stop these sorts of things. Anyway, Ofgem launched an investigation, the government launched an investigation, and two... Uh, parliamentary committees also set up inquiries. Now, the upshot of all this, many people thought that the forced installation would be banned and that prepayment meters could even be banned in and of themselves. But what's happened is that um, the energy companies have signed up to a voluntary code of practice. Voluntary, it's not in legislation, it's not mandatory, that they basically will be nice when they go around and ask to fit prepayment meters and they won't be able to force fit them um, in the homes of people aged over 85. Uh, now, the whole problem with this voluntary system, of course, is that ultimately, if they don't do it, there's nothing that <laughs> the regulator currently can do about it. And when these plans were first announced yesterday, there was huge uproar. So, um, you know, Ofgem is again, quite under the cosh on this, I think. Yeah, it's kind of strange. So the things that they've 
if they've signed up to not do is to not put in uh, prepayment, basically burgle your house, break into your house to install prepayment meters if the occupants are over 85, where a supply of energy is essential for health reasons, including for things like stair lifts and dialysis equipment. But there is a medium risk category where they are still going to be able to do it and decide on a case by case basis, which includes households with children under five, people between 75 and 85, those with health conditions such as Parkinson's, Alzheimer's or learning difficulties, the bereaved and pregnant women. Why, just why would anyone think that breaking into the house of someone with Alzheimer's to force them to pay extra for energy they already can't afford is something that should be allowed? Or that should be voluntary, even. Yeah, it's insane, isn't it? That this they're not even loopholes because you know loopholes suggest that people didn't know about it when they were drawing up the rules. Whereas, you know, this is there in black and white in our newspaper and, and many others um, that these situations will still be allowed to go on. Now, obviously, conservative governments generally don't like regulation, don't like forcing things. They prefer people signed up to be decent uh, human beings, and in this case, decent companies without the hand of legislation. Um, but you have to think, these are the same companies who did this. You know, why, mm. why now? Why, because it's been exposed, do we automatically think they've had some Damascene revelation um, and that everything will be different and brilliant in the future? I mean, it's it just... When Ofgem has already faced a, an awful lot of criticism, to come up with something like this... Um, in their fight back, if you like, it does seem like they've again missed an opportunity to crack down on these energy companies. Yeah, well, they obviously don't want to quite clearly. I mean, what do you think, everybody? Are you on a prepayment meter? Have you ever been on a prepayment meter? Have you ever had to have someone come around and forcibly install it against your will? Do you know someone who fit in one of these vulnerable groups who may be at risk of this? Get into the comments and let us know. What do you think about it? Um, so basically, well, here's Claudia. She says, of course, they say over the age of 85 because they know there's not even just not even a handful of people uh, over the age of 85. They're total criminals. So they're still going to be doing it in uh, into the homes of people aged between 75 and 85, of course, which is the greater number, isn't it? And so that protects their profits a bit more. So basically what happened, Ben, as far as I can see, the energy companies got caught out. Right. Everyone was very embarrassed. The chief executives were on the news going, well, we've only done it like 5000 times. We're very sorry. We'll try not to do it again. That was a mistake. It shouldn't have happened. The government promised to stop it happening again and also talk really tough on it. And now the rules that are provided by Ofgem still allow for it to happen. Why would all those people talk tough when they're embarrassed and then do absolutely nothing about it when attention moves on to something else? Yeah, it's, well, it's beyond me, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> would that happen? Um, one thing that's quite interesting is, is that part of the Times um, coverage and I think The Independent um, a few weeks earlier before the Times story, They'd gone into a couple of magistrates' courts um, up and down the country where these forced installations, because um, you have to you have to be allowed by the court to, to go in and do it, right, against someone's will. You have to get a warrant. And warrants were being signed off en masse, hundreds, and I think in a couple of instances, thousands all at once, and in, in the independent did this story. So a magistrate and a court clerk, um, we're getting these applications from the energy companies. We want to fit a prepayment meter in whatever house it is. Hundreds and hundreds of times, and they're being rubber stamped en masse. Now, 
I remember, and you know, I know you covered magistrates' cause back in the day, Susie, right? 1890. Back in the 19th century, yeah. Yeah. Well, back in like the, the mid 2000s, I remember sitting in Pontefree's magistrates' court and Bridgend magistrates' court and Ronda magistrates' court when we'd be covering like a drink drive case or a common assault from the Friday night down the local nightclub. And then every now and then, a representative from one of the energy companies would come in and would make an application for a warrant to the bench. And they would have to say why they were making this application to go into someone's house, either to cut off their gas or electric, um, or to fit a prepayment meter. And, you know, I wasn't there to cover those, but you could sit in and listen to them, and indeed you could report on them. But they would have to set out why they needed to, or they felt they needed to do this to a particular household, to a particular family. And it'd be like, you know, they haven't paid their bill for, a, a, I don't know, a year or 15 months or whatever. Um, and they needed, they needed to do it. But the magistrate would have to listen to that. The, the legal advisor, the court clerk would have to listen to that. And they would have to decide whether or not they would allow the company to, whether they'd issue the warrant to allow the company to go and take this action. Now, in most cases, they did, right? But each each case was heard. It was heard on a case-by-case -case basis. Now, mm -hmm. that has been abandoned. Um, and by doing it en masse, it's made it far easier for the companies and their, their, um, their contractors to go in and fit these devices. Um, when it was done, when each uh, application had to be made individually, it was a pain for the companies. You know, they had to have one of their members of staff who's not used to being in a court of law, not used to giving evidence, sworn evidence as well. You know, you have to take the oath or, or an affirmation. Not used to doing it. They felt uncomfortable doing it, embarrassed. It was in open court. We as members of His Majesty's, Her Majesty's Press at the time, we were there right. to report on it. So it didn't happen that often. When the whole thing became automatic, it happened far more. Now, in the aftermath of the Times investigation, and indeed, I think the Independence um, investigation as well, a very senior judge, Lord Justice Edis, stopped magistrates' court doing this. He said, you can't issue them on mass anymore. And despite what Ofgem um, announced yesterday, that ban still remains in place. Now, it'll probably be rescinded in the coming days, weeks. But until it's rescinded, until that ban is lifted, they can't go in and fit these devices. So it's incumbent, perhaps, on the, the law lords, um, I know we don't call them that anymore, but senior judges and people like Lord Justice Edis, um, to see what they think of this and whether or not they're happy for applications for warrants to be approved en masse once again. And the trouble is when they're doing that en masse and they're not having to do it under oath and they're not having to prepare it all and, and present it all individually as a case to a, to a magistrate, there's mistakes creeping in. There are people having their homes broken into because the last tenant had a problem paying their bill. This kind of mistakes are happening because they're not triple checking their homework. Now, Kirsty says this happens because it doesn't apply to them because they don't struggle paying their bills. Kirsty, I think that is the comment of the show so far. And knowing what's coming up next, I think you are absolutely on the money. And if you were. Uh, want to slide into my dms and contact me i'll give me your address and i will send you one of our news agenda mugs not one of these ones because i haven't got it with me it's in the dishwasher one of our famous news agenda mugs because you've got the comment of the show i think there um and it, it's correct me if i'm wrong ben but i think this scheme is all entirely voluntary and i've just had a look at it Offgem has absolutely no enforcement powers on this particular point all they can really do is remind people of what the law is and of course it's not against the law nothing happens if they break this voluntary agreement to not do it. One of the reaction comments in that story um, from a death advice charity, they call Ofgem a tutorless regulator. 
And I think that's what an awful lot of people, and certainly campaigners on behalf of uh, mm. people in debt and poverty, think of Ofgen, that is a Twitter's regulator. You know, I, I'm genuinely surprised that as the watchdog, it didn't come out with something tougher um, yesterday, because to a certain extent, what you know, Ofgen is fighting for its survival. And there are a lot of calls um, in the aftermath of the Times investigation for the, the regulators to be, you know, scrapped and replaced with something new. Um, the other thing as well, Ofgen, of course, is responsible for setting the energy price cap. Well, the energy price cap has been overruled for the past year, best part of, because of uh, the energy price guarantee. Because I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but the energy price cap at the moment is something like £4,200. Now, if the government's energy price guarantee was enforced, that's what we'd all be paying mm. a year for our, for our um, dual fuel energy bills. Now, because of the government's energy price guarantee, it's down to £2,500 at the moment. But if one of Ofgem's key roles is to set a price cap and that's overridden, um, well, what's the point of it? Exactly. What's the point of any of it? It's got to be said. There's obviously, but if they're not going to tax the energy companies properly, they're certainly not going to want them to behave more nicely to people who are vulnerable, are they? Thank you for that, Ben. Thank you, everyone, for taking part. Now, on to the big story of the day. Earlier this week, Home Secretary Suella Bravman earned herself a lot of nice headlines in the right wing press with some very tough talk about banning the so-called zombie knives, the kind that you see in horror films that's on the page there in front of you, with a serrated edge in which are carried these days by an awful lot of criminals, as well as some very terrified young men. But anyone who read the small print knew that all she had announced, Ben, was a review, wasn't it? And uh, it turns out that she's not the first to have done this. No, that's right. I mean, successive Conservative Home Secretaries have announced over the past seven or eight years reviews, plans to ban, and nothing's happened. You know, there's sort of a, a roll call of shame, if you like, on that uh, that spread today of Theresa May Home Secretary for six years, followed by Amber Rudd, then Sajid Javid, then Priti Patel. Um, you know, they've all said that they will crack down or ban uh, zombie knives, um, and nothing's happened. And now Suella Bravman is saying it. I mean, it makes a change for you saying something about anything that's not migrants, I suppose, but it's, how, why, why haven't we banned them? It's not that difficult. And as someone who, you know, uses a knife to chop potatoes or carrots and that's it, right? Like, what are the point of these knives? What, why, why do they exist? Why are we creating something that, I don't know, are they in video games and people want to own one? But, you know, just looking at that, what useful purpose can it serve? You know, you wouldn't, you're not gonna have that in a knife block in the kitchen when you want to chop up your, broccoli or whatever are you? No. what is the point why do they exist and how difficult can it be to ban their sale i think that the, 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 the part of the block and this is because of the tories and who they are and who votes for them and who funds them is that the those kind of knives can be used by some people in some what they call countryside pursuits all right so if you are regularly skinning a deer you may wish to have a particularly big and stinky knife with which to do it which is absolutely fair enough but i don't see why seeing as there are so few people who regularly skin deer in these country or who are a gamekeeper or who are going out hunting or something um why they can't ban it and just ensure that when you do have those you know you pay a small fee on top to make sure you've got a license to carry it at the same time well yeah i mean we regulate quite rightly, the firearms in this country. Now, farmers, gamekeepers, etc. they're allowed to have shotguns because they do use them um, mm. and use them for legitimate purposes. Mm. But if these hunting knives and, you know, hunting knives, I accept, but zombie knives, you know, from zombie films, well, you know, what, why? Why do they exist? Why are they on sale? 
hunting knives, yes, to a certain extent, I can see if you're going to skin a rabbit. I mean, I've never done it. I don't know if you use a special knife for that, perhaps you do. You can use a smaller knife for a rabbit, then. Yeah, you're not going to use a potato. A big one for a bigger animal. Like, but if, if, if that is why, then certainly they should be able to regulate those in the same way that, you know, if, you're, if you are a gamekeeper, you require a shotgun, it's licensed by a local police force. Um, perhaps that, that could be the same for, for hunting knives. But to have them on, on general sale, it just seems ridiculous. Yeah, it does rather. And Lazy says, it's a zombie government doing nothing as usual. So when they did, uh, the Tories have been promising to ban these knives for years. Uh, they've utterly failed to do so. There's case study after case study in the spread on that page about parents who've lost children to these things, which are extra nasty to be stabbed with because that serrated edge tears the flesh, makes it harder to fix uh, in, a, in an operation. It means there's more blood loss and so on. And one can't help wondering, and this is why Kirsten's comment really was the, the, the comment of the show, I can't help thinking that if it was an MP's child getting knifed by one of these things, they'd be banned tomorrow, wouldn't they? I mean, it would certainly be higher up the news agenda and you would have thought that there would be perhaps more impetus for action. Yeah, I mean, the, the fact that... Um, so there's quite a lot of journalists who, from the Mirror who work on this story today. You'll see the various different bylines. So we've spoken to... Um, bereaved families across the country that's you know why you've got so many different reporters bylines on it it's because the, there are so many areas affected where a family has lost a loved one usually a young son it has to be said um to one of these to an attack using a, a hunting or a zombie knife um the fact that so many people so so many kids have died since the first mm. announcement that these are going to be banned i mean why 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 has this ban taken so long why is it not? You don't need another review to say that these knives don't serve much useful purpose and they should be banned. You know, I, I can tell you that. <laughs> but it's it's not it's not the kind of children dying from this that this government really cares about, is it? Particularly now, Mike says, is this the same Tory knife ban that's been announced for years, like the push for maths learning, which has been announced three times in recent years? They're rehashing odd announcements, but never any action. It's the same with the the energy meters thing, isn't it? Really, there's not a lot of lead. They, they keep saying stuff, but there's no legislation coming through the House of Commons. That's what they should be doing. They're in government. They should be saying, right, we're going to make this against the law. Here's a law. We all talk about it. Then we vote on it, and then it becomes law. What? There's not much legislation coming through the House, is there, at the moment? There, there really isn't. I was in, um, in Parliament yesterday. And it was the... So Parliament sat at 11.30 yesterday, so it's Tuesday. Um, and by, I think it was quarter to five, certainly by five o'clock, that was it. There was no sitting of the House of Commons. It had finished business for the day. Now, it could have run to, I think, seven, perhaps 7.30 last night, and there could have been votes after that. Um it was all done and dusted. Now, if there's such a gap in the parliamentary calendar, why is the government not using that time um, to bring forward legislation that could make a difference to people's lives? You know, like like bringing in something to ban zombie knives. Um, it, so often we hear pleas for, for legislation from private members' bills or in 10-minute rule bills, um, and the government might, you know, think, yeah, that's a nice idea, but it's hardly a priority. And they say, oh, you know, there's no government time available. Well, yesterday there was a couple of hours where you could have at least started the legislative process for getting rid of zombie knives. But oh no, let's have another review. Let's see. I mean, what, what do you think the review is going to say? <laughs> you know? These just sort of suck up the civil servants' time who've got other things they could be doing. Anne Marie says here they should 100% be banned. Too many of our young lives are snuffed out by these unnecessary weapons. And I can 
you know, when Boris Johnson was prime minister, Ben, there wasn't a lot of legislation going on. And I could kind of understand it because he wasn't the kind of person who actually, he would just say stuff and then think it would happen. He never actually, you know, knew where the levers of power were to kind of actually make things change in a way. But Rishi Sunak is, whatever you think of him, he's more of a workaholic. He's more at his desk. He's more trying to, to broker deals and think of things. I would have thought that that the lack of legislation should have changed under him. Why? Because he's only got two years to make his mark. Why isn't Rishi, who is so much different beast to Johnson, why isn't he pushing through some laws? Yeah, it is interesting because obviously there's this characterization of Rishi Sunak as diligent, you know, bookish, sits there looking at his spreadsheets, going by through um, proposals, reports, line by line in a way that we just, you know, we assume, or we assume, we know Boris Johnson didn't. He was certainly not a details man. Um, obviously, the Prime Minister has set out his five priorities, and uh, banning zombie knives was, was not amongst them. Um, you know, one of his priorities is halving inflation uh, by the end of this year. Well, figures out this morning show just how difficult that's going to be. Um, you know, don't want to go off on a tangent here, but inflation was, everyone thought it would go down to single figures today. Um, it's still 10.1%. So it is down a little bit, but it's not down enough. So if you can't make headway when everyone thought you'd be able to um, on a priority that is relative or should be relatively easy to me, if you can't do that on one of his five pledges, well, trying to find legislation, mm. trying to find time to do stuff that's not one of his five pledges and which he has not asked us to judge him by, well, I think that is going to be a low down priority. No, it's just not a priority, like we've said, like Kirsty said, uh, as so many have, there's just not a priority for the, the people who are running this particular government. Now, Pip says it should have a licence to own one of these knives, just like you do with a gun. In fact, Pip, what happened when they did, um, they tried to, they talked about banning these knives, what they actually did was they banned a characteristic of the knife, which is that they are often seen with words or threatening imagery on the blade or the handle. So what they actually outlawed, right, was blade was knives with writing on. Hmm. And guess what? Kelsapreeze, the manufacturers just stopped putting writing on the blades. The blades are still there and it's the blade that did the damage, not the writing. Silly Tories. So, you know, the government's obviously been a bit stupid and out of touch there. Maybe didn't even want to ban these things at all. Andrea says parents need to teach their children values instead of letting feral kids do as they please because of lazy parenting. Um, Andrea, you have a point about anyone who is perhaps carrying around some of these knives. But if you read some of the case studies in that piece, you will see an awful lot of uh, young men who have been killed by these knives and they weren't carrying them and they weren't feral and they weren't having a problem. They were just they got into an argument on a street corner or something with the wrong person who did have one of these knives. Uh, and, you know, the kind of families perhaps which you're, you you have a problem with, the ones that would carry those knives are perhaps the ones who aren't going to listen to anybody else teaching them about what they should and shouldn't do with their children. And a lot of them as well will tell you that their children are carrying knives because other kids are carrying knives and they feel like they need it's, it's a. It's an arms race. They feel like they have to have one to protect themselves and it becomes uh, out of control. Whereas if, of course, you ban these damn things, nobody would have one and uh, everyone could get nicked if they did have one. And it would be perhaps a little bit more sensible. Um, and I do tend to think, I mean, you know, we, we banned gun ownership to some extent and restricted it and controlled it after the massacre at Dunblane. And, you know, if there was a, a knife spree in a primary school, I'm sure these would get banned but they're not happening all at once are they Ben they're happening one at a time and it's the kind of children in the kind of places that the Tories don't care about so 
although there might be a dumb blame happening every week or every month, it doesn't really register enough to actually act, does it? Yeah, I mean, it's imperative, put it that way. Right, because of sort of this, the, uh, the children who are affected by it, and it's often children and certainly young people um, who are affected by it, it often doesn't get the, the major outrage that perhaps it, it might otherwise. Um, certainly, if God forbid there was a, a mass event, yeah. Um, but the fact that it's on the front page of the Mirror today, highlighting it, albeit through the prism of, of Tory failure, is you know, one has to hope that by drawing attention to it, perhaps something might get done. I mean, personally, I'm not hopeful that it will, because, you know, the moment you have a review, well, that's going to take months. Um, and as you say, Rishi Sunak might only have until uh, next autumn to get anything done. And this sort of legislation, because of the way Parliament works, could take a year to get through anyway. Yeah, and so they just don't think it's worth the effort. I mean, at least if you're going into election, you could say, well, look, I've got a law that's halfway done to ban zombie knives. Get me back in and I'll I'll finish it off or something. But that doesn't appear to be something that's on anybody's list, does it? Um, Sergio on Twitter has just said to me, uh, what a marvellous country we live in. Uh, it's the country we vote for. I'm afraid. Uh, and if you want it to be different, then you need to vote for it to be different. And remember, everybody, we're going to talk about this regularly, I'm sure, for the next couple of weeks. In the local elections that are coming up, you will need to have photo ID. All right. That needs a passport or a driving license. If you don't have one of those things, uh, I think also some an old age pensions card. If you don't have photo ID that would be recognised, you can apply to your local authority for the kind of photo ID they would accept. So make sure you do it. You need to have it done in time for the local elections on May the 4th, isn't it, Ben? May the 4th, May the 4th be with you. May the 4th be with us. I don't even like Star Wars. I hate it when people say that. It's just, yeah, local elections day. But for, for some people who like Star Wars and an easy way to remember, May the 4th be with you, yeah. Great. Yes. Because... <laughs> somehow managing to de-nerd the nerdy bit of the show. Well done, Ben. Um, right, thank you, everybody, for taking us... Thank you, Ben, for taking us through that. Thank you, everyone, for taking part. Uh, get into the comments, let us know. We'll have a wrap-up at the end. How do you feel about the prepayment meters? What should be done about that? Should Off-Gem have more teeth? Should Off-Gem be scrapped and thrown out the window? I think everyone seems to be in pretty much in agreement these zombie knives should be banned. But how do you do that? How do you ban a knife when you can buy it on Amazon? Uh, does it get to the point where Amazon has to be the one that you're legislating against? You know, you ban the sale of these things rather than the ownership i don't know what would be the best way of doing it what do you think uh we'll have a wrap at the end but first off um there is some good news in the world particularly if you're as old as me and here it is Now, as Ben pointed out, I've been in this game for maybe 700 years. And so uh, I can point out to you now that um, the page three story today is absolutely marvellous for oldies like me. Now, we all know that video killed the radio star, but it's long been thought that CDs and streaming killed off the cassette tape. How many of us know now how to wind back on when the, when the tape decks chewed it up? That skill's been lost forever, Ben. But it seems that the revival, with the revival of vinyl, <clears throat> try saying that when you're drunk, tapes are making a comeback. They sold 195,000 tapes this last year, a 5% increase, the 10th year of growth, including to young people who are listening to Harry Styles and things. Because I don't think it's someone with an old tape deck who's, who's wanting to buy Mr. Styles' latest musical business. Um, it makes me think we might be seeing ghetto blasters back on buses again before long. Ben, is this proof? There really is no better gift from the object of your affections than a mixtape. 
I'm really excited about this because <laughs> I was all pressure to get rid of my hi-fi, if everyone knows what that still is, which has a tape deck on it because basically I've still got a few tapes and I like to play them every now and then. So I thought... They still I'm work. Yeah, they still work. Yeah, yeah. They've got longevity, even though they're 35 years old. Um, I didn't realise genuinely that you could still buy tapes. Like, is it on the internet? Or do, can you walk it must be somewhere. Does more? Like, you know, who, who is, where can you physically go in and get them? Which is great. I remember when I was about seven or eight years old, sitting in my bedroom with a ghetto blaster with my mate Jonathan Pritchard from school, recording ourselves singing Bon Jovi's Living on a Prayer, right? And I'm not being funny, I ended up singing the voice chorus of the Welsh National Opera, and Johnny P did release a CD with a band that he got into. Right. Okay, I know I have a task now for the office Christmas party, which is to find Johnny P and get that tape. <laughs> Good Lord. Um, yeah, I, I, my mum had a tape somewhere knocking around for many years of me and my brother singing Christmas carols into one of those old things where you press the record and play at the same time. Does this but, mean yeah. Walkmans are going to come back, though? Are we going to have Walkmans instead of iPads, iPods and iPhones. Like, are we well, gonna... the CD Walkman never worked, did it? Because it jigged all the time right. if you actually walked on it. But the tape ones were pretty well functional. Guardians of the Galaxy and the Sony Walkman that is supposed to have caused some of this big rebirth of tapes. Uh, who knows? Um, but I don't know where you would buy one. And the, the fact, the simple technological fact is you don't get as much data on a tape as you do in a, in a digital file. And so you don't have as much music on your tape but you get the sleeve notes ben you get to yeah. fold it all out and see what madonna's actually saying sing along exactly sing along. And yeah not getting the words wrong this time you don't have to google the lyrics exactly and i thought 45 minutes on side a 45 minutes on side b well, an hour and a half you know long enough for an album isn't it yeah and actually you would listen to the whole album rather than just a song ah oh, we can talk about the 80s all day but um so long as if they if they are going to have a comeback that's absolutely marvelous so long as what you can get the mixtape and also the pencil that comes with it to rewind it twiddle it around that would make the sense if by better for britain says you need a biro to rewind the cassettes exactly exactly try doing it in the machine eventually it goes gets all chewed up anyway um thank you for taking us through all that ben thank you everyone for taking part uh, Kirsty, don't forget to get into my messages and let me know your address so I can send you a mug. If you're listening on podcast, please leave us a review uh, as a way of supporting us and help other people find us. Uh, and we will see you all again next Monday for another edition of the News Agenda. Till then, everybody. Tatty bye. <laughs>